Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda or water or whatever you like in the fridge. How you doing today, Miss Freddie? I'm fine, Sykes. How are you? I am great. And as I have already stated, for anyone out there that is not familiar with my guest, I am here today with the one and only Miss Freddie. Make some noise for the internet. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Woo. So it's it's really cool to sit down and talk with you. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And how are you doing? This is a crazy year, a very crazy time. So oh, much, yeah. so much, so much. That's all I can really say. So how are you, you know, just generally? Let's start there. Yeah. Um, generally, you know what? I'm doing okay. I have to say I, I am doing all right. I am accepting what's going on. I call it the chaotic havoc. <laughs> yeah. I even wrote a poem about it, but then I threw it away. So don't ask me. I don't remember what it said. <laughs> but um, I, I am. I'm doing really well. You know, when it first started, the shutdown where I live at, um, I had to work from home. So from March to May, I was, you know, stuck at home. And I had to kind of watch everybody else to see, okay, what can I do? What can I not do? Music was definitely not one of them. Every last show that I had was just... You know, it was yeah. just canceled. Yeah. Nothing. Festivals, uh, playing at the local uh, venues, um, some outdoor community stuff was all canceled. And so fast forward, I, I've learned to live with that. Uh, and I know a lot of my musician friends, people that I know personally, that they're having a tough time and I feel bad. Uh, but I'm making it. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's all we can do. We could just keep pushing yeah. forward. I find that, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with Miss Freddie, you've been a musician for, you know, well over two decades at this point. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, we, we can get into the history and all that stuff. I'd love to get to know more about it. But currently, you know, do you find yourself feeling the need to really work and try to like do music right now or is it a thing where it's been a part of your life for so long that maybe this few months off doesn't feel as intense as it may for somebody that maybe has only been playing shows for one or two years oh no actually it's intense yeah 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 <laughs> uh yeah and you know i was used to performing every weekend and then i started adding some shows during the week maybe one or two because i work um you know i have a full-time job and um, I found it very, very hard. And I'm telling you, my first show that I did was back in June with my blues band. And we had not rehearsed. I hadn't seen those guys since like January, February. Mm -hmm. And no rehearsal, nothing. And so I said, guys, we're just going to use this set list. And I'm telling you, I put my all into it. And we only had 40 or five, 40 to 50 patrons at the time. And that was it. And that was fine. And I just... I saying like, oh my goodness, I needed this finally. And then all of a sudden I was getting, you know, I was getting like very anxious. I'm like, I need to sing. I need to do something. 
So I did a couple online shows for charity um, and then uh, did a couple outdoor things recently and it felt good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The relief. Oh, what a relief it is. Oh, absolutely. That's That's a beautiful thing. I think that it's really cool to hear that story from someone that has been performing music for so long because it's an unfortunate thing where I think some artists get jaded over time or they're just not as passionate about it as they once were. But it seems like you're very passionate about this still. And even just, you know, a few months off is like very, very painful to go through, I imagine, because you probably care so much about this. Oh, yeah, it is. And I feel for my guys and I could have two bands and I feel for them. Uh, you know, the blues band, those guys, um, my band is exclusively the band. That's it. And then my acoustic band, my acoustic guitar player plays in a few other bands and he teaches. So it's been OK for him. You know, he's getting by. But I'm telling you, when I get together with either one of my bands, it's it's very refreshing. I have a, an appreciation each and every single time that I'm up there on stage with either one of my bands. And this is recently. Like, I appreciated them before, but I mean, oh my gosh, it's like as if, how can I say this? I've never had this happen. Um, as if I was had a new awakening. Sure. Unless sure. I came back from the dead but I've never had that experience, but it kind of feels like that, you know, like this new light, this new thing. It's like, Oh my gosh, you know, this feels great. Let's do this again. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. I, I haven't played a show since March. Um, for some background on me, I play in a heavy metal band and uh, I also do some hip hop stuff as well. And there's those, some of those shows are happening, but the environment that we need for a heavy metal event, those places aren't quite open yet. So it's going to maybe be some time before I can be hooting and hollering on a stage in front of strangers, but I'm really looking forward to it again. So it's been so long. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 We still get together. I still miss the crowds. Like I miss a lot of people, the packed house and even doing an outdoor show, a festival. You know, there's like hundreds, thousands of people, and I miss that. But I do understand um, being the healthcare profession that I am, I do get it. I, I understand that. So, absolutely. With your background, let's get in a, let's, let's, let's take a, a, a little trip in the time machine. All right. So, <laughs> let's go way, way before COVID, way, way before <laughs> anything. Like, let's start at the start. When. Did Miss Freddie decide to sing in front of strangers? What, what, what was the origins here? How'd you get started? Um, started as a kid. Remember the plastic? Well, you probably don't remember, but I do. The plastic microphones. Oh, I had one I, of those. I, I, Did you really? Oh, I'm flattered. <laughs> you, I may be a little older than you realize. This lighting's doing my, my skin wonders right now. <laughs> But yes, I do remember those. Yes. Yeah. As a kid, uh, me and a couple neighborhood kids, you know, we were little kids. We would get together and sing whatever latest songs were around at that time, or we would make up songs. A um, couple of times we, well, a couple of times I forgot to record on the eight track, but we would record on the eight track, which was cool. And then I joined the uh, church, joined the church choir. Uh, some of the couple of churches that I had ended up belonging to based on where I 
was living at the time. Uh, so that's how I got my start as far as singing in front of strangers was the choir. And I was still scared to death. So I didn't have to sing a solo except yeah. for one time. I was 15 and I had to sing a solo. Oh my gosh, it was horrible. I was just 15. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. <laughs> so, a solo in church? It was embarrassing. I said, I'm never doing this again. And then, you know, 96 is when I joined my first professional blues band. Okay. It's been upward ever since. So whenever you did that solo, was that like school choir or church choir? No, that was the church choir. So I have a question. I I have a a question. Some real real thought here. Did you ever take like proper singing lessons at all in your life or did you learn in the church? Nope. Never took, never took a singing lesson, theory, nothing. Yeah. Um, this was all listening. Like there were some neighborhood kids, musicians, you know, around my age who were actually singers. And then in church too. Yeah. I just have this funny thought where I feel like a lot of people that want vocal lessons maybe just need to start going to church. Yeah. <laughs> if you really want to learn That's how to sing. It's funny you say that because there was a lady long time ago. I'm I'm sure she's passed on because she was elderly then. Yeah. But I probably was in my late twenties. Yeah, probably late twenties. And she made a comment. It wasn't towards me, I guess when she was um we had choir practice. And she said, I wish more people would come to church, you know, and I'm thinking probably whoever it wasn't directed at me because I did my homework. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she made that comment that you made. She's like, I wish more people would come to church. Yeah, I think they're and get their singing together. And I'm like, what did she just say? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, I I, I have to admit, you know, being fully transparent, like I I didn't grow up in a very religious family and I'm not like a particularly super religious person to this day. But as I've gotten older, I've started to like respect and understand like all of the other things that you can get as a person out of just attending this thing even right. if it's something as simple as just becoming a better musician because even outside of vocalist there's some some of the best bands that i've ever seen play have been church bands with church musicians in them there's some oh, yeah. really really heavy players it's yeah, really really yeah, cool absolutely so yeah. whenever you were getting into your first blues band you said that was 1996 yes okay so how did you get into that scene? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you, there was people from church that were also in that scene as well. Maybe you met them through there or was it something else? Nope. This was something totally different. All right. Well, do tell. (laughs) Uh, uh, One night I was singing the song and I love this song till this day, silent night. I was singing it to my youngest. Uh, He was a toddler and usually, and I would sing that to my oldest when he was little and he was a baby because it would get them to sleep. And so the guy that I was dating at the time was a bass player and he heard me sing this. I was singing an acapella and he's like, I didn't know you could sing. And I said, I didn't know either. And so he said, we're looking for a singer for the band I'm in. And I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm cringing because I'm really not a, well, back then I don't want to be in front of people. And after my episode of the 15 year old who sang a solo and it was terrible, I'm like, no. Sure. So sure. I called him. I said, sure. So I went to audition and the band was in run room and they had a hundred foot cord. So I took that microphone with that hundred foot cord and I went in the bathroom, closed the door, turned on the water and start singing. <laughs> That's how I got in the band. <laughs> oh, 
true oh, story. Really? Wow. There are people who know me that's like, <laughs> what's she doing? <laughs> that's so, that's, so, so how long oh, were you singing in the bathroom? How many shows? Uh, no, none, <laughs> none, but you know what I did? So the band would face the audience and I would sit in a chair with my back, um, to the audience behind the bass player. I did that for almost a year, for about a year, wow. let's say about a year until one day my mentor in the band, the, the manager of the band, Big Al Levitt, he said, you're going to have to figure out what to do. You're going to have to come out of that. Because he was also a professional psychologist. So, you know, he didn't push me. He knew I was scared to death. Okay. Like, my stage fright was just, it was up the wazoo. And it came from, and I told him, it came from me being 15 and sang the most horrible solo you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, slowly but surely I came out of it until I'm thinking I've gotten better the last several, like maybe 10 years, 15 years. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure you have. Practice makes better. No, How? it's called no. That's okay. not what that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I do, I said, you know what? People are going to like me or they're not. I can't control. I can't make everybody happy. There, there's no way. If I could, oh yay! So what I do is I pretend it's me sitting in the audience looking at me and saying, "Look, I paid this much money to see you." I had to give up some things tonight. I dragged my man out here to see you. You better entertain me, at least keep me there for an hour. And I do that every single show, no matter if it's acoustic or, you know, the electric blues band. And it works because I'm up there entertaining myself left to right, looking at myself in the audience like, don't leave. Just give me an hour of your time. Absolutely. Uh, and it works. So how thankful are you that cell phone videos weren't a thing when you were 15? <laughs> I am so thankful. Yay. <laughs> uh, you make a really, really good point, though, in regards to the way that you approach performing and thinking of yourself as an audience member. That's something that I actually that recommend to a lot of people that are performers, because I think there's this thing with a lot of performers where they get they get too caught up in their ego and they forget how to be empathetic with the audience. And like you had said, these are people that could be doing anything else tonight. You know, we're yeah. all adults. We're, you know, getting a babysitter, dragging a, a somebody maybe there that doesn't want to be there, bringing out right. friends. And like, maybe you spend all week convincing your friends to even go to the show yeah. to begin with. Yeah. So you got to give those people something worth it and it's even more than just a great performance you got to be just a nice person and thankful and appreciative and let people feel like they're actually a part of something special that they're going to want to come back oh absolutely um and you bring up a good point what i do now at um, all my shows i pray uh, i'm a praying woman i've been praying since my oldest was born <laughs> um, and he's an old man <laughs> yeah i love you honey if you're listening you know if you if you if you're tuning in at some point yeah but seriously, uh, what I do is, um, and, and I wanted to do something different. I wanted to set myself apart from any local musician, national, international act I've ever seen. So usually, you know, there's like a side door or sideway, you know, to come in, whether I'm doing outdoor or indoor. So, you know what I do? I walk into the, say like I'm doing something indoor. I walk into the venue 
and I'm greeting everybody. Hey, how's everybody doing? What are you guys doing? Yeah, are you? I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun. It's going to be a big old party. Tell your people to come on down. You know, I engage them as soon as I get there, no matter if I don't feel good, if I'm super tired, if something happened and I'm trying to work through it. I'm like, it's not about me at the end of the day, because my motto is what I do is not mine to keep. And a lot of people know that about me that know me personally. And then, you know, when I get my bandmates together after all set up, I'm like, guys, are you ready for this? It's like, I'm so excited. You hear that crowd out there, you know, and they'll joke, you know, they'll do some joking, but they know when they see me like that, it's two things. I've had two cups of coffee or I'm just so like ready, like, yay. <laughs> or a combination of both. So but crowds like that. Audience like that greet me, make me feel, you know, that I'm important, that I it was worth coming to your show. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm really curious now, you know, <laughs> Where was the the trajectory between, you know, back turned to the stage, don't want to see a single eyeball looking at me, to, like, <laughs> walking in the door like, hey, everybody! Yeah, like, how yeah. Do you, I mean, obviously, it's not an overnight thing, but, you know, did right. you notice as you were starting to become more comfortable on stage and comfortable as a performer, did you, like... Were you aware of these changes or was it just something that one day you were like, wow, I'm really not who I was anymore? Well, it's a combination of both. Um, I said, if I'm going to continue doing this for the rest of my life, um, you know, I want to redo me over and over. And then at the same time, I, you know, I convinced myself, I said, you know, it's not about you. And I always, and I love sharing the story of I sat behind a band with my back face in the band, and I did that for a year. Mm -hmm. And people were looking at me with the deer in the headlight. I said, guys, I said, I can prove it. I have people. I said, starting with the bass player, he's still alive, but he lives down south now. And I said, the guy that plays acoustic guitar, and my, I said, he'll tell you the story. I said, you know, and just fast forwarding, it was, um, I was becoming more and more comfortable after I realized if you're going to do this, you know, one or two things, if you're scared to death, why don't you just become a studio musician and call it a day? Mm. Never perform. Or you can go in a studio, but you're doing a project for yourself or if other, and then you perform live and people want to hear more of me. So it, it was a gradual change because I'm telling you when I went on my own in 2002, 2003, when I left that band, I had no clue. <laughs> I was still scared to death. Um, and I didn't sing like, nah. I kind of sang like, nah, you know, when I sure. first started out, I still was not sure of myself. Mm -hmm. There's a really <laughs> interesting thing about how, performing over time and how it changes your voice and your approach to things. And, uh, it's, 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 I think it's just, it's so hard to explain unless you're somebody that's been in that position like you have. I'm really curious now in regards to you performing over in, you know, in and around Pittsburgh and wherever else over, you know, since the mid nineties, um, the, how can I put this? 
the the city has changed a lot. There's been so many places that have come and gone. Um, environments change, demographics change. What is you know, just the standards of how shows operate, it just changes. You know, I'm sure right. in the mid nineties, you weren't playing shows in front of food trucks. And maybe nowadays you probably play some shows with food trucks around just little things like that. Yeah. Um, how, like, what do you, how do you feel? Do you even think about this? Am I silly to like want, like, do I, I wonder sometimes if I like romanticize the old days too much or if it does it not matter if people were there, then who cares? I think that matters because I'm finding now 10 years ago, I don't think people did it as much as they do now because the times are changing for a lot of musicians, because I tell people it's becoming more digital. If you all notice. Yeah. And um, the creativity as far as doing a lot of shows and the award shows you've seen on TV, I'm like, wow, this is really creative. Um, But I still, you know, whether it's musicians, non-musicians, whoever, we still think about how it was. People talk about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, and now, and it's kind of nice. And I just heard something the other day, cassettes were coming back, and I'm like, what? I almost said, what are cassettes? (laughs) (laughs) I said, are you kidding me? You know, so it's things like that. So what you're thinking, romanticizing about that, it's Things are starting to come back. Cassettes, the vinyl is already here. I think the vinyl is going to stay. It's here to stay. Absolutely. Um, But at the same time, you've got the technology. You no longer have CD players in the brand new vehicles. Um, You have the the Bluetooth. And I understand they're going to get rid of the um, USB, you know, where you can plug in your phone. Um, I understand they're going to get rid of that slowly but surely. So you have the old and the new. And, and I've been able and, to adapt. And it's pretty cool because I'm like, okay, because it's in my nature to adapt to change anyway. So but it's think, nice to go back a little bit. Yeah, you you, yeah, you have to adapt. I find that I maybe grew up in a for, a little bit of a more fortunate time. I'm I'm 35 now. Um okay. so my you know, I grew up like I can I didn't have a cell phone until right after high school. Okay. So it's like this weird technology. Like technology wasn't like fully in my life. There was like Nintendos and stuff, but that's a far cry from where we are now. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. we we pretty much live in a video game every day. We're like in a video game, like in some way right now. Me and you, like you know, we're yeah. we're talking to each other face to face through screens. This is like you know, in the early nineties, I would have been never. This would have never happened, but here we are. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, I wish I had kept. <laughs> My first cell phone. It was huge. Yeah. It was huge. And it was bulky. I wish I had kept that just, you know, have it on display whenever I talk to somebody. I'm like, look what I have. So, <laughs> so you do feel that, you know, the music community does feel a little different now, but you feel like it's going back to basics in some ways. I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how once we're able to start having venues open up again, like some proper places, what that's going to be like. I think that there are going to be people that hopefully come into live environments with more of an appreciation for seeing live music. I feel like maybe for some time, at least people in the demographics that I 
working in metal and hip hop. I think a lot of people were taking live music in those environments for granted. Yeah. Um, do you feel the same with what you were doing? I do. And, uh, but then a lot of my fan base, especially people that follow me on social media, um, they miss the live music terribly. And, you know, I find that some people have taken it for granted because we didn't know this was going to happen. We didn't know we were going to be in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, we had no clue. So, you know, life, you know, goes on. But once this happened, um, you know, there were some people all there a little angry. And I, and I mean, you know, audience, you know, not at us, just the fact that, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I, I got to have my live music. Online music is great. There are people that appreciate that because, you know, there was a lot of like movie watching, TV watching, you know, when this all first started. And then the fast forward, it's um, I think it's more appreciated of what they miss. Hence, when I did my uh, about two or three weekends ago, I did a benefit show um, with my electric band and my guys were awesome. I just love those guys. They drive me nuts, but they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and there were a lot of fans in the audience, um, that people that I knew that would come to my shows hadn't seen for months. There was a, there was a few people in there that I haven't seen since last year. And they were so appreciative. And then there, you know, you had your people. It's like, ah, uh, you know, yeah, I get out, you know, when I can. It's like, it's okay. So I think it goes 50-50. It just kind of depends. If you're a diehard, please let me have my music. You know, you you there's an appreciation, a new appreciation. But if you're the type of person, eh, you know, I could take it or leave it. Well, then, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so I, I say it's 50-50 from what I see. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that you left the first band that you were in in the early 2000s and you went off and started doing a solo career. At that point, you know, did you have much experience with uh, booking shows, maybe managing your own thing? You had to learn all of this. I had to learn all of it. Um, It was, and you know, I wanted to do it, um, but first and foremost, I had to find people that, we had the same chemistry um, that were willing to do this and were committed as to rehearsing, getting it together, um, you know, showing up for rehearsal and for the gigs. Um, I think the hardest part for me was finding, I mean, all the people that have come and gone out of my band um, up until 2009 um, they were great musicians and they have their own projects. Some have their own bands. Some are in other bands. Some just freelance. Yeah. It was very hard for me booking. I mean, I had watched Big Al, you know, um, listen to how he booked and everything. But being a woman, an African-American woman and the band leader, it's kind of funny in a way because I didn't have any type of a demo record out or anything. So what I did um, for a good while was go to the venue, show up, introduce myself, and I've never heard of you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, okay, how about if I sing this? So I picked At Last to sing. And 
I was saying that's a great love song. Something, it, it came out in the 50s, but Etta James yes. made it famous in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And so I would sing that because I had, you know, I was singing it in the band, the band that I was had started out in. Um, so after a while, Sykes, I think once I started getting known and I had a CD come out in 2010, um, it was getting easier. And then about eh, maybe five, six years ago, venues were starting to call me and it was so nice. You know, <laughs> I started taking deep breaths of, oh, yes. Um, but it was hard. It, it was very, very hard. And, and, and also with that, it was kind of funny. So the guys knew, and I only had the one band at the time. So the guys knew I'm the boss, blah, blah, blah. So when it was come time to get paid, they would go to the guys. And so my guitar player, you know, he had had enough of that. And one day he were, I forget the venue we're at. He's like, mm, she's the boss. You give her the money. Yeah. And yeah. I saw the quick look of like the deer in a headlight <laughs> because usually it's just the, the woman is just the singer, but not the leader. You know, yeah. in, in a yeah. lot of cases. But yeah, and so now a lot of venues and festival promoters know me. They're like, she's the boss. That's it. Mm-hmm. I find that, you know, it, it takes a lot longer than it really should for people to realize yeah. what's going on. I mean, yeah. you could have, like, say you're having an email communication between you and a, a, a venue booker. You know, it's like, do you even read these emails? Did you see who was sent? Like, I've been sent. I've been talking to you this whole time. I'm yes. the one that set up. I came here and asked for the show. Why do you still not realize <laughs> this is my thing? <laughs> like, yes. I, I, but, and I read. I And I try to be very mindful and read every last piece of email. Mm-hmm. Hence the multitasker in me. I may not answer you right away, but I will read my email. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of strange you say that because now when I'm communicating with venues or festivals, the second thing that comes out of their email is, who do I make the check out to? I'm like, aw, <laughs> <laughs> make it out to me, you know, and that's fine. That's legit because they don't know. Are they making it out to, you know, the, the booking agent or to me or somebody else, a third, you know, a third party? And it's like, no, it's me. Make it out to me. So now you've been, you know, independently working and booking for two decades and, have you found yourself over the years uh, maybe having an issue of letting other people in or accepting help from other people if people do try to help you? Because I'm, I'm like a total control freak. I'm really bad. It's like, no, if, if, if something's going to go wrong, it has to be my fault because I don't want to rip anyone's head off. I don't know how you feel about this. Um, it's uh, well, <laughs> let, let, let me, let me put it to you this way. Okay. Every single year, both bands, I come to them January and February, like the end of February, that's it. It's a done deal. And I always ask them if anybody wants to take leadership, become the, the band leader, the manager, the booking, you know, whatever, um, the arranger, getting people together for rehearsal, be my guest. 
I am open. I just want to show up. Give me the music and I, you know, and I will be okay. And I'm telling you, both bands, nobody wants to do with it. <laughs> nobody. And I said, you know, and I have to laugh at them. I said, but yet you guys give me heck and tell me this and that. And, and I have to laugh at them. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I tell the guys, you know, I said, you can approach me. Just be, you know, just be kind of like constructive. Um, but if you criticize me, if you're, you know, if you're like, hey, do this or that, I accept help. Yeah. Micromanage, I don't do with them because I'm the only female in both bands. So I don't micromanage because I'm sure their wives and girlfriends do that very well for them. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> so think- I, I don't micromanage, but what I do tell them is, and, and, and I have learned each one of those guys have a lot more experience than I do. And so when they are telling me something, I keep it in the back of my head. So when I'm booking a gig, it's like, oh, okay, I got to remember to do this, do this, do this. And so I have adopted that. Every time one of them gives me a piece of advice, I try to hold on to that, you know, like store that in my head mm-hmm. and um, it works. So yeah, I'm all about please, please. And if you can convince the guys next year to like be the band leader, any one of those guys, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think that it's it's awesome that you give the people that opportunity and that you're not micromanaging. I find that it's always a little confusing to me when people decide to let people into their circle, into the creative circle, whether it's their band or whatever, but they don't trust their opinions. It's like, why would you let somebody in that you don't yeah. trust? Yeah. I don't care how good of a bass player you are. If I don't trust you, why are you around? Right, right. And that's why um, both bands, um, I want to say a combination of since 2009, um, the acoustic, uh, Mike and I, Mike Houston, he's my acoustic guitar player and keyboard player. I've known Mike since 96, 97. So fast forward, um, we started doing gigs together. And so Mike is my main guy for the acoustic. And, you know, it's been the same guy since 2009, 2010. And yeah. I just kind of mm-hmm. added on, you know, the bass player. I got a lap steel guitar player. So, yeah, Bob Powell. My whole huh? thing, if we're going to do this, we got to be on the same page and we have, and the chemistry has to be there. Yeah. If the chemistry is not there, then we don't need to be a band and we need to just, you know, just end this now. Don't book anything because it'll drive me crazy. Um, And it works. My guys, you know, at the end of the day, both bands are like, well, you know, they people come to hear you. I said, no, people come to hear us. I always make sure I correct them. But every last one of those guys in each band, oh, they come to hear you, Miss Freddie. I'm like, mm-hmm. then they come to hear us. I said, I can sing acapella. I said, I'm not being conceited. I said, I had to do that to get gigs in the beginning. But I said, at the end of the day, the music gives life to what's going on for the audience. And I said, the singer is just a sweet addition to, you know, what's coming next at them. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Powers plays with you, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Bobby, De- his name on stage is Bobby Deal on Lap Steel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've known Bob for a while. We, uh, we both work at Get Hip together. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he told me about Get Hip and I, you know, and I said, okay, you know, 
and I kept it in the back of my mind and I kept, and then when I saw, I'm like, this looks familiar. And I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, Bob had um, some dealings or does he still work with get him mm-hmm. or yeah. I saw him today. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw him yeah, today. Bob's a cool guy. I love that lap still. And I told him Bob just rip. Just oh yeah. Goes He's a hell of a player. Yeah. He's yeah. one of those he's one of those modest people too. He's like, you know, yeah. kind of quiet, cool, and then you put an instrument yeah. in front of him. You're like, God, geez. Yeah. You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I told him, I said, you know, I said, dude, just, you know, just act like we're at Woodstock when you play. Now everybody else is gonna have to back off. But I like <laughs> the lap steel. I think it's a cool instrument and I like that sound that it makes because he can make it sound like a piano, a Hammond B3. Um, you know, a one string guitar in somebody's back porch somewhere. Uh, so it, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's a very, very unique, dynamic, cool instrument. It's, it's like, why isn't there more of it? But also it's kind of good for you that there isn't because it gives you that, that upper advantage, that little secret weapon. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of people in the beginning when Bob joined the band, they're like, oh, we don't know of any bands around here that has a lap steel guitar player. I said, well, there are people that play slide and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of similar. I said, but to actually have a lap steel, you know, unless you're playing bluegrass or country, I said, blues band, you know, the national acts do some of them, not a whole bunch. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, it's, it's very unique. And I, and I tell Bob, I said, yeah, they like what you do. I said, they love you, Bob. Just go ahead and just, I call it wanking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just wank on it. Just go for it. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing that has changed a lot since you probably went out on your own back in the early 2000s is this whole social media thing. Oh, It's it's exhausting, but it is also really cool. Like, I mean, we're having a conversation because of it and there's a lot of positivity. I find that it's way too easy for people to dwell on the negative aspects of social media, but we can use it for really, really cool things and getting our, our voices and our stuff out there. How do you engage with it? Um, I use it, uh, for my music platform, um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, website, uh, Facebook, and I have actually, through it, there were people who I went to high school with or people that I used to work with years ago, and they found me on Facebook. Um, so I engage in it a lot because, like I said, I adapt with change, no problem. And I know this is going to be the way of life is, you know, the digital, the social media, what we're doing. And like I said, I'm thinking you're probably like the fifth Zoom meeting that I've done in two weeks. (laughs) But I've done it with people and I like it. I love doing it, but I've also done Hangouts and I've also, well, when my iPad was working, you know, FaceTime. So to me, I'm comfortable um, in how I'm comfortable. I lost my phone, an old phone I had like about a couple years ago, but I found it. The whole day, I was freaking out. I mean, I was losing my mind. I said, I've got to have my phone. And that's how much I depend on it, which that was bad. (laughs) But I finally found it. But I think this is great as far as the music that I'm doing and what I'm doing in life. Um, People are more in tune to finding you 
you know, on social media, be it website or, you know, Instagram, whatever. If they go on YouTube and they just want to listen to your music, I love it. I'm embracing it and I'm taking advantage of it because a lot of people overseas follow me. People in the West Coast, down South, you know, I have family, you know, around the country and we don't get to see each other but we can see each other's social media. So I happen to love it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, 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 I do my best to be positive, but there's still some negative people that are in my social circles that bring me down. I got to get them out. That's so, yeah. you know, yeah. every one of her, I, 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 I catch one on my timeline. I'm like, unfollow. <laughs> I, I don't care. I don't care if we were kind of, I don't care if we, you know, met at a party six and a half years ago. I don't, I don't really yeah. think we're meant to be, it can't be hard because I mean, how many, how many relationships with other human beings can we realistically facilitate? You know, it could be a little yeah. overwhelming. Uh, it, it's, you know, I've like, 2000 friends on my Facebook. I don't know 2000 people. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I have like four real friends. The rest of this is just like exhausting, but it's all like people I've met in, at other shows and right. people who've been on the right. podcast and people who yeah. are fans and friends and family. So it's cool. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's just like, I think so much of it is the energy that you put into it and that's what's going to attract, whether it's social media or just getting to a venue and walking in the door and greeting everybody like we were talking before. Yep. If you could be that oh, yeah. person all the time, you know, yeah. you're going to have like, uh, you know, it's like a magnet and energy and right. Cool. Cool. Attracts cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to be very mindful on social media because, um, of course, I have friends. Well, you know, and then people who follow me who are fans, you know, and, and it was kind of ugly back in 2016. It made me sad. I I don't post my how my thoughts of what's going on. I try to be very, very positive. And I tell people, if you go back on my personal page and look, I said, I'm posting something positive. Now, if something tragic happens, then I'm going to speak about it. But it's not to the point where I'm going to make you depressed. Sure. I, I have enough of that inside of me for the both of us. But I but a lot of people follow me and they like what I do. Now my musician page, I really started using because I found out something. People are following me on they they love to go to the musician page. They could like, ah, eh, the personal page is all right. But that musician page, I'm telling you, it's blowing up for the last like almost a month, which is great. So I said, okay, I'm going to post this. This is music. This is music. But when I see, but all the, I'm not going to tell you how many friends I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's close to 5,000. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, it's people that I went to school with, family members, yeah. um, people, fans, musicians, um, people I've worked with throughout my life, uh, neighbors. It's, it's just, it's interesting. Veterans. It is so interesting of all the people. And I try to tell people, I may not remember you six shows from now, but you know, let me look at your face and I can look at your face. Cause I used to remember names and then I remember faces and then I'm back to names. Now I'm back to faces. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so social media helps with that. And I tell people, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like Facebook. People are mean, all this craziness. I said, 
Um, did you realize that you can control your social media? I, I, I did always, you know that you don't have to have 5,000 friends yeah. like I do? Yeah. I always, <laughs> I always say the same thing to my friends. I'm like, one, you can log out. And two, you accept the people that you're friends with on there. So you either Great. need to come to terms with the fact that your friend group is a bunch of jerks. <laughs> you you got to yeah. do something about that or yep. just accept it. Log yep. out. Just delete it. You yep. don't need turn to off have your it. notifications yeah. if you don't want your phone pinging every time you get a notification. Because mm-hmm. I used to do that and I said, that's enough. That's just too much. And so I turn off my notifications and I go look. And every now and then I'll go to the home to see what everybody else is doing. But it's not for that long because I'm too busy trying to keep up with everybody who comes to visit my pages. And it depends upon what's going on because then I try to answer you know, which I don't mind if I'm sending a shout out birthday to one of my bandmates, you know, and when, when it's time for my, uh, the number one fan, my youngest son, his birthday, it's insane. It's two or 300 people. And I'm like, Oh my God, Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say at the end, at the end of the day or the next day, just want to say, you know, the number uh-huh. one fan, thanks all you guys. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. a beautiful but thing though. It's beautiful. Social media. You know, you don't have to have everybody. I think that there's this this interesting thing, though, where for some people, for whatever reason, they feel as though they're missing out on everything if they're not engaging constantly. And I don't that know. Would be me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I guess I it that happens to me. me, too. I think it happens yeah. to all of us. I think the yeah. these they're the, the all these apps are designed by people that are paid to make us practically addicted to them. And they're doing yeah. a pretty good job. So. Yeah. Yep. They are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's really. But that's. I think that's just going to be the way of life. I hope I'm around in 20 years because I want to see how technology is going to be in 20 years. Absolutely. Uh, I think that if you are somebody, particularly I'm talking to artists out there, if you mm-hmm. are an artist that wants to thrive in the next decade you need to adapt to these things and if you yeah. don't want to adapt to these things then you really need to ask yourself is this like the world you want to be in because you don't right. have to be here as if we said but right. it's not what it used to be but also with you mentioning like um like a, nostal- a sense of nostalgia and like a simplicity coming back i'm interested how those two things are going to marry because i totally see a simpler times thing coming back around, but also the yeah. technology is not going to get any dumber. It's only going to get smarter. Right. So how do right. those two things come together? It's yeah. I'm interested to see and find out. I can't wait for the cassettes. I want to see, what are you going to do? Have another, like a boom box with a cassette player oh, they already in sell it? Them. They sell it's them. It's like, are you going to do that? Or I, it's going to be interesting to see how those are going to, I'm, I'm thinking in about a year or two, the cassettes are going to be booming if this is what's going to be happening. Yeah. I mean, um, I, and I'm interested. I've already seen uh, the boom boxes for sale. I saw one at Target. Really? Oh, yeah. That has a cassette player in mm-hmm. it? Yep. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's so strange. It has like a cassette player and Bluetooth. It's like really. Yeah, we're, I, I bought a I bought a I bought a vinyl turntable a couple years ago that has Bluetooth. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's cool because like they're still like, okay, well, I, I can listen to my records, but right. I can also listen to my records on a Bluetooth speaker if I on want to, which is, yeah, it's, it's yeah. so strange because. So, yeah. So there's your nostalgia and your new age can, you know, they're combining, they've been doing it. So now I think it's going to be a little bit more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of moving forward you're already playing some gigs here and there um yeah. i'm not too aware of like your um background or like any history with the bands in terms of recording or releasing any physical product have you like re- recorded and released any albums or have you focused more on just performing live um i have two cds out in a single the first CD came out in 2010 under Bone Dog Records out of McKeesport, PA, uh, with Jeff Ingersoll as the producer. And Mike Sweeney wrote the um, majority of the songs on there, and Jeff wrote one, and I wrote one. Um, and then we used studio musicians. And then my uh, electric blues band, um, the only um, original player is my guitar player that I have today that played at the time uh, they played on one song. And then fast forward three years ago, I went out San Jose, California to Greaseland and um, under the direction of Kid Anderson and Andy Santana. They co-produced my second CD that came out in 2017, which got a lot of um, got a lot of hype, accolades, nominations, didn't win any awards, but it got nominated. Um, we did win a Pittsburgh uh, Music Award for Best Album. So that's great. And then fast forward this year, uh, got a brand new single out, Wade in the Water, that was uh, produced by Mike Morgan out of Ohio and Jay Vernali in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and Kim Parent, who uh, she did background vocals. So that's what I have out currently that people can, you know, look on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Amazon. Now, moving forward into, you know, whatever the rest of this year brings us and next year, um, are you somebody who like plans ahead a whole lot or are you just kind of taking it bit by bit? Oh, yeah. No, used to drive my ex-boyfriend crazy because I was a planner. (laughs) I mean, I had to. Mm I am. I, I like to plan ahead, and then I come up with what's called Plan A, B, and C. A is the plan that I have set forth in motion, and this is what's going on. Got all the details all together. Plan B is if something falls apart in that Plan A, there's a backup. Plan C is okay. A and B fell apart. You've got C. Are we going to start this over again? Or are we going to do something different? And that's how I treat, um, you know, the gigs that I book. Um, it's very interesting and it, and it works. So, uh, yes, I'm a planner and I'm already thinking about 2021 um, as far as recording. Um, I want my gospel album to come out around my birthday in June. And um, I'm going to be working on a Roots and Blues CD at the same time. So hopefully that'll come out either uh, a month before or a month after. That's my plan. That's great. I'm a planner. (laughs) Now, how much time do you get to put into music on any given week? You know, you know, obviously you're, we're not 
none of us are doing this 24 seven. We all have other yeah. lives and responsibilities and all these things yeah. that are just kind of like, well, right. it is what it is, but it still seems like you're a very productive, motivated person. Like, do you have a set schedule throughout the week with like rehearsals or just time to practice yourself? No. <laughs> no. Well, well, what I well, since I work full time Monday through Friday on my day job, mm-hmm. what I have done and I've been doing for a number of years is basing it around my schedule. Because my guys in either band won't practice without me. They're like, we need to sing. I'm like, why? One of you can <laughs> pretend to sing. <laughs> Just call me when you're ready. Um, but they don't want to do it that way. So I have learned to be flexible, but I told them, you know, I give them, um, there is no set day of a week that we rehearse because my schedule, I think out of all of us and then my acoustic guitar play, we have the busiest schedules. So everything is based around me and I'm not, you know, that's just the way and they're okay with it. Yeah. And so once I figure out, okay, for instance, um, wanted to have band rehearsal, was supposed to have band rehearsal, what's today, Monday, yesterday, Sunday, but we couldn't. And it was because of me, something came up. And so now I have to look at the calendar and see what day I'm available. And then I see that, then I'm texting the guys, can you do this day or this day or this day? And I wait till everybody gets back. So that's what I do. And it would drive a lot, a few people crazy. A lot of people don't like that. It's like, this is the day, that's it, bam. Yeah. But I've learned to be flexible because those guys are being flexible for me. Mm-hmm. You have to be. Yeah. To have any longevity in, yeah. in this creative world, you have to have patience and be willing to bob and weave or else it's not going to work out for you because so much stuff is not... You're going to spend more time problem solving than being like, oh, wow, oh. everything worked out exactly as I planned. That doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, re- absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm learning a new song, I'm writing. Uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of like as I go. But when I have to learn a new song, um, our motto now for both bands is do your homework before you come to rehearsal, because we don't want to spend the rehearsal time you know, okay, brand new song and we're listening or we're learning or somebody's arranging. It's like, no, that's not how it's going to go. So um, as a matter of fact, there's a couple gospel songs that I'm learning for Saturday. I'm recording for um, my acoustic guitar players church. I do that twice a month. And so I take an hour, at least two or three days, no less than two days, but at least three days out the week. And I will go over, just go over the song and go over and go over and go over, you know, until I, at least I got some of the meat of the song. Yeah. I imagine you probably sing to yourself a lot so much to a point that you don't even realize you're doing it. Yeah. And I, when I was a bedside nurse, I used to say, I used to sing and then my coworkers and the only reason why I was sing is because something was going on with a patient or some patients and I was worried. So I would start singing to calm myself and make myself think, mm-hmm. make myself think um, clinically critical and common sense. And so some of my coworkers knew it's like, uh-oh, something's going on with a patient because she's singing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I had developed that when I was a bedside nurse and I do it at work. Um, cause 90% of my job now is on the phone. And so if I'm multitasking, have to take care of two or three things for different patients, I start singing. I'll, I'll just pick something. 
And lately, I want to sing Christmas songs, and my coworkers like, don't sing any Christmas songs. It's too early. Sing something else. And I'm like, but I want to sing something Christmassy. And they're like, no. And I haven't. I, you know. That's so funny. So, yeah. So that's what I do. I, you know, that's me. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you a little bit. I could chat with you so much more, but listen, <laughs> everybody that's hanging out with us right now, I'm sure they got other things to do today. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you got plenty to do, plenty of fun adult Monday night things like I do. I got to go uh, put, yeah, I gotta go put some laundry in, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the glamorous life of a, a rock and roll and podcaster just separating socks. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm just gonna go like clean the bathroom, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm I'm happy I have a bathroom to clean and socks to wash. Be thankful yeah. for what you have, even if it's a little things. So, yes, with yes. all of that being said, before I do my sign off, let people know where they can find you on Instagram or Spotify or wherever else. Let people know. All right, you guys. Uh, you can go to my website, uh, missfreddy.com. M I S S. F-R-E-D-D-Y-E.com. Check me out. Check where I'm going to be at. Uh, you can go to my musician page on Facebook, Miss Freddie. You can go to Instagram at Miss Freddie's Blues. And find me on Twitter, Miss Freddie 17 And I'm on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Amazon. Find me, like me, listen, buy you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank hey, yeah. you. Thank you so much. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. One more time, Miss Freddie, make some noise. Everyone's really happy that you're here. Thank you. you. I'll be back again next week. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And that's it. That's done. That's a podcast, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you so (laughs) much. And. Have have a great night, okay? Thank you, you too. <laughs> <laughs>